Hello and welcome to QPod, QIC's Investor Insights podcast series. I'm Alison Hill, State Chief Investment Officer at QIC, and each week we invite our listeners to take 10 and to get an update on economics, markets, and other topics of interest for institutional investors. Each podcast, I'm joined by QIC's Chief Economist, Dr. Matthew Peter. Hello, Matthew. Hi, Alison. Jumping straight into it, a bit of data this week in Australia, a couple of interesting things I thought. Firstly, just the wages data that came out, obviously something that's been closely watched by the RBA, uh, as well as all the individuals uh, listening to the podcast, I imagine. But we saw the rate of growth at 3.7% at the end of March, which is, I think, pretty much in line with market expectations. So in and of itself, I don't imagine that would spur the RBA onto any further hikes or certainly not a hike in June, potentially. But One thing I thought that it doesn't really take into consideration is the current negotiations going on in the public sector. So the unions have a demand of a wage increase of around about 8%, I think. And from what I'm hearing, potentially it's likely to end up with with a rise of potentially a little bit over 4%. So given all of this, do we think that, you know, maybe wages have peaked or is there more to come? Well, Alison, we will continue to see the rise in that annual figure throughout the year. It's rising off a relatively low base, of course. And that should see annual wage growth hit 4% sometime close to year end, perhaps in the fourth quarter of this year. But what's important, particularly from the point of view of RBA policy, is is really the momentum in wage pressure, and that's slowing. The last quarter wage growth, the one we just got, the quarterly wage growth was uh, up by 0.8% from the deck quarter, which was actually lower than market expectations of 0.9% and lower than uh, RBA's expectations as well. So on this quarterly basis, which is really picking up the momentum, uh, wage growth remaining at 0.8% in March quarter, the same as the deck quarter, was actually down from the peak rates uh, of mid last year where you saw wage growth hit 0.9% in uh, June quarter of last year and 1.1% in the September quarter. Mm-hmm. However, as you point out correctly, we've got these upcoming public sector wage agreements in the pipeline, as well as the minimum wage rises that expect to be brought down by Fair Work Commission. So that should see quarterly wage increases pushed back to that 1% rate over the remaining quarters, I should say, of uh, 2023. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Well, it's certainly one to watch given, you know, the ambitions to sort of lower rates of inflation. You're listening to Alison Hill and QIC's Take 10 podcast, where I'm discussing markets and economics with Dr. Matthew Peter. Matthew, also we had the employment data released yesterday for Australia, and that shows unemployment's picked up a little from 3.5% to 3.7%. Probably a little bit of volatility in those numbers month to month, I imagine, but it still shows a very tight labour market. So given the combination of wages and labour and your comments on the wages, are there more rate rises on the horizon, do you think? Well, Alison, you know, both data, wage growth and employment uh, came in really under expectations, probably including those of RBA. And as I said, the question really is, where's the momentum taking us? Both those sectors, both in terms of wages and, and uh, labour market, of course, they're related. And, and as I said, we know the wage momentum will be taking the annual rate higher to 4%. Now, is that a worry to the RBA, wage growth of 4%? Well, it would still allow actually the inflation rate to be consistent with uh, the RBA's target of 2 to 3% 
if, now this is a big if, if productivity were to come in Mm -hmm. at around 1%. And the problem is at the moment it's not, it's much less. So what the RBA will want to see is productivity picking up and the growth in unit labour costs, that's wages adjusted for productivity, uh, coming down before it's uh, definitively on the sidelines with respect to future rate hikes. Now, the next RBA board meeting is June 6th. Now, that's one day, as it turns out, before the release of the March quarter national accounts, in which we'll get a read of the latest productivity numbers. Mm. So my guess is that given that we've got the increasing migration numbers, which are likely to keep the unemployment rate from dipping back down quickly, and that we've got wage growth momentum stalling for the moment, I think that'll give the RBA enough reason to pause in June, but really future meetings are definitely remain live. So potentially one more on the horizon, do you think, Matthew, in terms of if we get some more positive data? Yeah, oh, certainly. I think one more and then it, or, or on hold, but one more and then it's done and dusted. Okay. Some good news then on that front in terms of the mortgage holders anyway. We would be remiss not to talk about the uh, ongoing negotiations in the US in relation to the debt ceiling, certainly a hot topic and one that certainly can cause a lot of volatility in markets. And there's some, you know, some Really dramatic headlines about the potential if we uh, if the US was to default, it would be financial Armageddon, for example. Do you think that's that's likely to be the case? Well, Alison, clearly, if the if the US government was forced to default on federal government debt, there would be financial market Armageddon. But it looks as if I mean that's a long shot. It looks as if McCarthy and Schumer are getting the troops in line for an agreement. But if we look back, even if they do get that agreement, so they avoid default. It doesn't mean that financial markets are completely out of danger, I suppose. You know, of course, the US has form in this particular area of the ceiling crisis, you know, with uh, two crises during the Obama administration, one over the course of 2011, the other over 2013 into 2014. But I must point out, of course, in both cases, default uh, of government debt was avoided. Uh, Nonetheless, um, even if immediate risk of default is avoided, we possibly can expect further market volatility until we really get a definitive longer-term solution to the debt ceiling. Now, in previous crises, if we look back, the biggest market shock actually occurred in 2011 when after a, almost a seven-odd months of wrangling between the Republicans and the Democrats, the S&P 500 fell by 17% in August mm. when Standard & Poor's, uh, the credit rating agency, finally uh, lost its patience with what was going on and downgraded the US uh, credit rating from AAA to AA plus. And that sparked off a global equity market sell-off and that took six months for markets to recover from. Mm. So uh, the stakes are pretty high and you know we can get uh, potentially get uh, volatility, ongoing volatility, even if the immediate crisis is averted. Now, Alison, To date, though, uh, markets seem to be taking it in their stride. How have they been reacting to all the speculation? Look, I agree, Matthew. At the moment, I think the view is that there'll probably be a little bit of argy-bargy, but the deal will get done. And so on that basis, reasonably sanguine. There was a little bit of volatility earlier in the week when there was some concerns, but McCarthy has now said the deal is is doable. And that phrase has seemed to have, you know, calmed the markets down and they're, and they're pretty positive. And I think those positivity has also been, you know, helped along by things like the, the earnings season, which we've talked about over the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's largely complete now. With I think 92% of companies having reported and, you know, a really remarkably good season. Yeah. You know, 76% of companies beat reported EPS and 73% have reported um, positive revenue surprise, which 
is a higher than average um, type of a surprise. So it shows the US economy is still pretty much in rude health, you know, sort of irrespective of some of these other shenanigans which are going on. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the US economy um, has been holding up far better than anyone expected. It's been reflected, as you say, in those earnings outturns, which is supporting the stock market. Yeah, so if they don't get the if they if if there was a delay to that debt ceiling, I do agree that could be a bit of a cause a few wobbles. But but fundamentally, the the equity markets are are certainly pretty confident. And they do seem to be pricing that soft landing scenario that uh, that will be able to land such a big economy on a very small postage stamp. Well, even in those two previous debt crises periods of 2011-2013, over the year the equity the U.S. equity market was up. You know, in 2011 it was up about. 15% overall, and in 2014, it's up something like, uh, 2013, I should say, it's up something like about 30%. So it can create volatility, but it's the underlying fundamentals, as you're pointing out, that tend to be the most important factor driving Absolutely. markets. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, let's hope they reach a resolution soon. Matthew, thank you again for joining me today, and thanks also to our listeners for taking 10. <laughs> <laughs> 